Well, hello everybody, and a very warm welcome to Aerospace, the all-new aviation podcast series brought to you by Aero Explorer. My name is Ajaz Kadanoush, and it's a pleasure to be your host for this week's episode. Enjoy. Well, hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome back to Aerospace. And today I come to you with something new and hopefully interesting and insightful as we launch a new series of Aerospace entitled Team Tidbits. What this entails essentially is one of our very talented team choosing an aviation-related topic that interests them and that they are passionate about, and then they share that with you through a dedicated episode such as this. It's a fantastic opportunity for us to share our knowledge and intrigue with regards to a certain aspect of the aviation industry that really grabs our attention as a group of young aviators, perhaps aspiring aviators, and indeed future members of one of the most awe-inspiring and, of course, fast-growing industries on this planet. Before we kick this off then, just a little bit about me. I'm Ajaz Kedanush, the director of the Aerospace Podcast here at Aero Explorer. I'm currently an undergrad at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University at the Daytona Beach campus, studying aeronautical science, which means I'm also in the flight program here at ERAU. I'm currently a private pilot, just started working on my instrument rating, and I'm also minoring in human factors, something that greatly interests me and indeed is a field I really want to delve into and contribute more to during the course of my career. With that, I would like to kick off Team Tidbits by sharing with you a topic that is so unbelievably vital when we're striving to be the safest, most efficient and highly skilled aviators possible. And that is aeronautical decision-making or ADM, and of course, human factors. Now, those of you who fly may already be fairly well-versed in the world of aeronautical decision-making, maybe a little in human factors too, but I can guarantee that you're probably not as well-versed in these terms as we maybe should be as pilots. Now, if you don't fly and you're not a pilot and and you're about to leave, I promise you 100% the skills and ideas presented in the field of ADM and human factors can be and indeed are now applied in every single industry you can think of. And we interact with human factors every second, minute and hour of the day, from the chairs we sit in to the tables we set our food on, to our cars, phones, planes, human factors is all around us. That's all very well, but what is it? And I mean, how does it play into aeronautical decision making? And more importantly, how can understanding it better help us to make safer decisions, whatever those decisions may entail? Well, let's start off very simply by defining human factors. Now, for me, the easiest way of looking at it, which my human factors professor here, Emery Riddle, explained really, really well, is essentially taking the relationship between psychology and engineering 
and then breaking that relationship down to try and understand how we as human beings interact with our resources and technology. After all, humans are the ones who will be using this technology or interacting with um, whatever we have to in the workplace. Thus, understanding how we do that can then help us develop strategies and models to reduce the likelihood of us making mistakes and therefore leading to improved overall safety because that's what we're trying to strive for as aviators or whatever it is we do, right? So when we're talking about aeronautical decision-making, we're talking about how we make those decisions and what influences those decisions. And when we make any decision in life, it's always based upon these three key ingredients. The information you're provided, the knowledge to deal with that information, and then experience. And when we're thinking about this information that we receive, we have to very carefully consider the nature of that information. And by that, I mean, where did you get the information? How reliable is it? How much information did you gather? Did you make sure you used all the available resources that were at your disposal? Next, do you have the knowledge to deal with that information? There's no point having all this information, but no idea how to interpret it. For example, let's take a uh, METAR report. A METAR report is a, a weather report released hourly by an airport that pilots use to get a general idea about current or recent weather conditions. Now, this information is portrayed and coded in a very specific manner, um, and you need to know how to read a METAR and, of course, decode it. So there's no point you having access to the latest METAR if you have no clue how to read it. So finally then, do you have the experience to take all of this and then come to an appropriate decision? Now, when it comes to experience, you can have obviously too little, but you can certainly have too much as well. Now, by extension, we can view these key ingredients also as maybe causes for things to go wrong. And when considering human factors in aviation, and of course, to be able to understand why we make mistakes or why accidents happen, we often do what's called a root cause analysis. Now, this is essentially an, an in-depth analysis of multiple factors leading up to an event. And to be able to do this, we can then place these three key ingredients into a branch of errors that are either decision-based or thinking errors. We also have skill-based errors and perceptual errors too, which we won't go into here, but they still form an important part of making mistakes. And that's the key word here, mistakes, as opposed to violations. Well, what's the difference between the two? Well, errors are honest mistakes. They're things we didn't mean to do. We didn't mean to do it, but one of these factors stepped out of line and that made us slip up. Now, violations, on the other hand, are a willful disregard for the rules and regulations. And the key word here is willful. But we're talking more about errors today, so we can park violations on the side for now, assuming those listening to this are not trying to go out and violate rules and regulations for the hell of it, of course. So these errors and violations can then be put under one umbrella term of what we then call unsafe acts. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aero Explorer, the world's largest youth-led aviation platform. Indulge in aerospace news and analysis posted multiple times daily from aeroexplorer.com. That's aeroexplorer.com, without the E and Explorer. 
if you enjoy photographing your favourite metal beasts, you can both share and view the hundreds of photos uploaded daily from their photos page. They are also actively recruiting, so if you're an aviation enthusiast looking to give back to the community, you can review the available positions and submit your application at aeroexplorer.com apply. Be sure to follow them on social media to stay updated on the latest news at Aero Explorer. Now, back to the podcast. Now, to understand why these unsafe acts occur, we need to then step up one layer in this Swiss cheese model, if you will, of human error. And we'll call this next layer those preconditions for unsafe acts. And I'm sure anyone in aviation has most likely heard of the Swiss cheese model. But um, just as a side note, this model, which, well, this specific model of the Swiss cheese model was developed and devised by my professor, Dr. Scott Chappelle, and his company, HFACS, which you can do some research on if you'd like. It's spelled H-F-A-C-S, Incorporated, consists of four main layers, all of which branch off into these different umbrella terms that we've started talking about already. So these four layers are firstly unsafe acts, and the preconditions for unsafe acts, unsafe supervision, and finally organisational influences. And we won't be looking at the final two layers in this episode, but essentially it's important to envision that when the holes in this this so-called Swiss cheese model all line up, that's when we have an accident. So it's all about trying to make sure those holes never line up. So let's take a quick look at these preconditions for unsafe acts. And there are essentially three main branches we can look at. And that's firstly environmental factors, second of which is individual factors, and then finally personnel factors. So we'll mainly be focusing on these individual factors, but it's important to have at least a little appreciation for those environmental and personnel factors too. So when I say environmental, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the physical environment that you are in when you are doing your job. And for a pilot, of course, that's the flight deck. For a surgeon, it's the operating room and so on. So this also includes the tools and technology we use in the workplace. So how can your environment then be favorable for an unsafe act? Well, clutter is a pretty good one. The design and layout of the place is very, very important too. So we have to make sure that our workspace is clean, neat and tidy and not cluttered. It is a very well-known fact that more often than not, clutter and mess interfere with our ability to remain psychologically organized and then, of course, to make safe, appropriate and efficient decisions. So likewise, Personnel factors such as communications, coordination, planning, and our fitness for duty, they all play into how well we operate on the flight deck. But now let's delve a little deeper into these individual factors, because these have shown to be the factors that, if not at their optimum, or if not recognized and addressed swiftly, they kill people. This is where we see deaths, serious injuries, and of course, accidents in aviation. If you're not in the right mental state, physiological state, or you're not adhering to your own physical and mental limitations, you may well be putting yourself and hundreds of others in a very dangerous position. So whilst these mental and physiological states are mostly acute, short-term, or what we call transient, your physical and mental limitations have much, much longer-term effects, and more often than not, are with you for life. 
Now, a great example of this is mental aptitude. Every job out there has a mental aptitude associated with it, whether we like it or not. It's a simple yet harsh fact that many professions just require a higher level of intelligence and mental aptitude. And being a pilot is indeed one of those professions. In fact, most pilots have an IQ somewhere around 119, give or take. Now that is, that's well above average. So why am I mentioning that then, if not to make those with a lower than 119 IQ feel bad? Well, it's not about that. It's all about being able to recognize your own limitations. And as I said earlier, these limitations are usually with you for life. They are long term and much harder to overcome than, say, a simple head cold. Now, whilst this may not be something that young up and coming aviators need to necessarily think about, it's always important to keep that in the back of your mind. For example, if you know that you are someone who struggles with high workloads on the flight deck or maybe takes a little longer to adapt and react to changing situations, you need to be able to accept and recognize that and then be able to come up with ways to make completing tasks on the flight deck a little easier for you. I mean, you never know, your life and, and the lives of those sitting behind you may just rely on your ability to do that someday. Hopefully not, but you know, you never know. So to finish off then, let's just address these mental and physiological states that are normally acute and short-lived. Every pilot has for sure heard of the I'm safe checklist, and that's I-M-S-A-F-E, which stands for illness, medication, stress, alcohol, fatigue, and emotion or eating. So, I mean, what an amazingly simple yet so effective method of making sure you're fit for duty, right? I mean, it's so easy and straightforward. Are you ill? Have you taken any meds that could affect your ability to perform? Are you stressed about something related or perhaps unrelated to the flight? When was the last time you consumed alcohol? Do you feel fatigued? How are you feeling emotionally and what, if anything, have you eaten prior to the flight? So asking yourself these questions before even getting on board the aircraft helps avoid so many catastrophes, so many unnecessary errors and unnecessary accidents and even incidents. And to round this all off, a lot of this a lot of the time these things can sound very negative and that's something that really we as, as pilots should should really be comfortable with by now. I mean we are inherently pessimistic, always looking for a reason not to fly so that then we can avoid those risks and hazards as much as possible. It is very important however on the flip side to appreciate how amazing we are as human beings. I mean, we are very fallible. We can be prone to vulnerability and we're by no means perfect. But my goodness, do we do a smashing job? We've been able to come up with so many intuitive and effective error reduction strategies that have ultimately made flying, well, the safest form of transport, period. So that's why when accidents do happen, it's always so shocking because we have to ask what went wrong. Passengers expect to reach their destination when they board a jet, and so they should. It is our duty, and we owe it to them as their pilots, to serve them and ensure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they will reach point B however many hours or minutes later. Now hopefully this breakdown of decision making 
and why we make certain mistakes can help either current or perhaps future pilots too to fulfill a duty of such responsibility to those paying patrons, those human beings who so willingly entrust their lives in us every single day. Well, thank you very much for listening. And as always, I wish all of you blue skies and tailwinds. Well, we very much hope you enjoyed our latest episode of Aerospace. Please leave us a review and we always welcome your feedback to see how we can improve on our future episodes. Speaking of which, we have some very exciting content lined up for you, including a couple of interviews and a very interesting discussion to do with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and the impacts of that on European and, of course, global aviation. Well, we hope to see you in the next episode very soon. Until then, thank you for listening and bye-bye. Thank you.